welcome to the Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Alex Hudson. Hey, people. Everything is good. <laughs> you look like you were shocked by the words coming out of your mouth. I didn't know where I was going to go with that. <laughs> welcome to the Wednesday episode of News and Reviews, where we talk... Movie news. And... Other news. And... Some reviews. Yes. Like student reviews, the, like the, theatre reviews. The snappiest tagline any podcast has ever had. Do we ever speak about other news other than movie news? Um, I think we might games, have once. Games and television. I think we talked about current affairs once as well, but I feel like for it's a, not our strong suit. Well, for a show that's called the Dinosaur Man Nerdcast, it's really stick to what you don't know. <laughs> How you doing? Good. Good? Yeah. Do you want to talk news? Yeah, let's do it. What you got for me? Okay, so imagine the world where it's difficult to make a Friday the 13th film. Well, you're not going to imagine anymore. You're living in it. <laughs> uh, so Friday the 13th is a series that probably should be dead by now because actually, and I will eat shit for this from certain people, it's not a particularly good series. Which one's Friday the 13th? Is it Jason hockey, Voorhees. Hockey, yeah, mask, hockey mask, face mask, or... Uh, oh, face mask is... Um, hang on. Finger. Mask. Hang on, wait. Face mask being who? The one with... Michael Myers. Yeah. Oh, right. I thought you meant the one who's got a face made out of a uh, mask. No, he's chainsaw faces, mask. Which is, uh, chainsaw mask. Uh, cha- like chainsaw and mask. I guess. No, no, chainsaw mask. He hasn't got a mask made out of chainsaw. Want a bit? That is impractical. Anyway, it's hockey mask. So Friday the Thirteenth is a film franchise that started in the late nineteen seventies and for some reason continued to the mid nineteen nineties and well actually late nineteen nineties with Jason X. Look, it's not a very good series. They've been trying to make a new film, reboot the franchise. The last one came out in two thousand and nine, I think it was, which was released by Platinum Dunes, who are notably terrible at this sort of thing their Michael Bay's production company. Not that that has anything to do with it, but it has everything to do with it. <laughs> They're the ones who remade uh, Nightmare on Elm Street as well and did such a horrible job. So, the thing is, this film was supposed to come out in October this year because it's Friday the 13th. Yep. And because it nicely matched up with the Friday the 13th that happens this year. Unfortunately, what has happened is they haven't been able to get a director or a script or anything good going, so they've decided to cancel it. And people are now relating this to the um, disappointing opening of Rings and saying Rings doing so badly has resulted in Paramount losing their uh, losing their faith in this franchise. I thought Rings did all right. No, no, it didn't do numbers. They, well, it did okay, but you have to understand, Rings was made for far too much money. Rings was made on a budget of something like $23 million, which is about $15 million too much. You don't need money to make Rings. You don't need money to make horror films. Look, the, the issue for me is, if you're setting aside a budget of $20 million, which is, again, what they were setting aside for... Uh, for Friday the Thirteenth, it was a tentative twenty million budget or something. Yeah, that's too much money. To really on. nice hockey mask. The thing is, you're signed fil- by right. a hockey team. You're filming in Nottingham the woods. Panthers. Okay, okay, they are in terms of British hockey teams. Yes, very famous. In terms of international hockey teams, you would be surprised how they, few people. I think they won the World Cup or something. They won the World Cup. They won a trophy recently, a big trophy. Yeah, like the the like best team outside of Canada or something. I mean, 
that cannot be true because there are teams in America who are much better than the Nottingham Panthers. One of that. Yeah, I, I keep making bets. I, 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 would happen, yes, I keep I making bets, but I cannot back up. Anyway, so if you're making a film like Friday the Thirteenth, you're filming outside for the majority of it because it's a campsite thing, right? Yeah. So your costs are not huge. They shouldn't be huge. Your setup is so simple. This thing writes itself. Literally writes itself. All you have to do is have someone around a campfire going, "Oh, you remember the old uh, the old legend of Jason?" And they go. No, I've literally never heard of this person who's had 13 films by this point, yeah. or 12 <laughs> films by this point. And them going, well, let me tell you. They tell the story, and then everyone gets killed off in creative ways. I want... If you are making this film, you don't even need to do creative kills, because they haven't bothered for the last few. I want, for potentially the next Sunday episode, I want you to write a Friday the 13th film. It would not be quick, It would not be a long enough episode. I will also write one. Okay, that's fine. We can both write one and we'll still have about 20 minutes to spare at the end. Just vamp over it, okay? Because <laughs> genuinely, the plot of each Friday the 13th film is so straightforward and simple. The only thing that changes is sometimes he teleports. It's stupid that this has now had to be cancelled because they've decided, oh, well, maybe it's not being uh, not, not lined up to be successful. This film would be a success if you made it for five. But if you're making it for twenty million, then you're setting yourself up for failure because you're putting way too much money into a franchise that doesn't need the money. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's not I... a huge loss that it's gone because, quite frankly, no one was. I think anyone who was actually looking forward to this and thinking they were going to get a really good Friday the Thirteenth film was mistaken because there aren't any great Friday the Thirteenth films. Yes, the first one is good. The rest are derivative nonsense. I think, personally, this is a franchise that would be best off dying. I know there are people out there, particularly horror fans, who would disagree with that. But, glad that it's not coming out. Glad that Rings was done so terribly. But but they might be doing Halloween, so... Yeah, this is, again, something that's been on the slate for a couple of years now. I think they've pushed it back and back and back. We've had two Halloween films in the last ten years which have been terrible. In fact, maybe not even the last... No, 2006, I think, the first one was. Rob Zombie has killed that franchise. He tried to explore, oh, what made Michael Myers the way he was. That was the point of Michael Myers. You weren't supposed to know anything. He's like the Joker, essentially. You know, The less you know about him, the better. Yeah. The less you know about his origins. Because it's more about the idea that anyone can just do this. And the fact that it was a kid who did this when he was... If you then set it up and go, oh, well, he was abused at home and that his family were pieces of shit. Well, of course, then you start to get into the whole like, oh, well, maybe he was justified in killing his family because they were pricks to him. You think that's not what you should be feeling towards Michael Myers. You shouldn't be feeling sympathy towards him. Anyway, that's me done for the week. What a time to be alive, horror fans. Just look, just go and see good horror films, guys. They're usually in different languages. Hi, this is Andy from Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. We'd have a second bit of news right now if Alex hadn't gone on a 50-minute rant. You can find that on Sunday. Until then, here's some reviews. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) I ruined the podcast. Okay, so we've got three films to review today. Three whole films, guys. Three whole films. Bumper. Um, Okay, so I saw Hacksaw Ridge. Okay, tell me about it. Um, Hacksaw Ridge is the story of... um, Desmond Doss, yeah, 
who was an army medic. It's based on a true story, mm. who refused to hold a gun. He went to war. But, mm. um, Pacifist. But, yeah, refused to basically ever fire a gun. Um, and it's a story of how he was accepted into the army and the amazing feats that he then did. Mm. So the movie concentrates on Andrew Garfield playing um, DOS, and it goes from the story of his, get a little bit of insight into his background, and then it goes into him being at war. Mm-hmm. That's the basics of it. Um, man doesn't want to go for war. No, wants to go to war, doesn't want to fight. Yeah. Wants, wants to help more than yeah. hurt. And there's a line in it where he says something along the lines of, yeah, I, can't have, trailer, yeah. I can't have all these people going to war and I can't, f- and I don't, that's not fair. Yeah. You know, it's not fair for these people to fight on my behalf. You mm-hmm. know, he wants, and he genuinely does, he wants to go to war to help people. Mm. He wants to help the other soldiers. Um, it's interesting. Okay. It's interesting. You know me. I like I like war films. You're a big fan. Um, I must say there are a, a couple of really good performances. Like Hugo Weaving in this film is amazing. Yeah, as um, uh, his as father, his, as his dad. Yeah, and he absolutely nails everything he does. Like uh-huh. he basically takes over the screen every time he's there. Right. Um, Sam Worthington isn't bad. Which is a sentence that has never been uttered before. Yeah, but I actually thought he was all right. Um. The thing is, I quite enjoyed this film at times. Yeah. The problem is, I don't think it's as good as people are making out. Of course it isn't. But it's an American war film about a true-life hero. That, that's true. That's that gonna get is you more important than how good the film is. Um, you know, there are some really great things. Like, um, For example, this has one of the best moments of this year so far in it. Uh, which is... And I can tell you what the moment is, because it's one that you'd expect to happen in this film anyway. Which is, the moment they all go over the trenches, basically... Mm. And what they do really well is they show, they have it going really quiet and really tense, and you kind of, it, they really rack up, rack up the tension, and then all hell breaks loose, um, and you get a proper war scene. Mm-hmm. It's akin to um, the same Private Ryan beach landing. Right. Um, it's like that. And what it does really well is, what war films are there to do, the predominant role of a war film is to remind you of a war as hell. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't glamorise it, it shouldn't make you go, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we were at war? What it should do is make you go, no, war was fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. And this is what, this moment, it goes for probably about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic because it really draws home the fact that this was not a glamorous place to be. We were fighting um, and we were killing. Yeah. Um, what it doesn't do, which is a problem, is it never really, because I know, I watched this with Mark and I know Mark had a big problem with this, was it never really kind of gave the idea that these were people under order. Mm-hmm. You know, the enemies, the bad guys, the Japanese, they were the bad guys. We should hate the Japanese because the Japanese were all evil. Okay, so we should hate all Japanese people. And it never really gave that sense of, actually, these people on the other side were just men taking orders, much like the Americans were men taking orders. I mean, who would have thought a Mel Gibson film would make sweeping generalisations about certain people? Yeah, and it's... <laughs> I, I honestly thought it was going to come up at the end saying, directed by the director of Braveheart, but yeah. I actually said his name at the end. So afraid to put his name to anything these days. Um, you know, and the, I could see what uh, Mark's point is there. You know, it, it does demonise the enemy. Mm. Um, but like you said, it's an American war hero story. Yeah, this is nothing new, is it, really? You know, there are... I think there's there's exceptions that prove the rule. But by and large, I would say that most American war films tend to have one enemy painted as just like, yeah. oh, well, they were evil. And there are some really strong moments of this, but there are some very weak moments mm-hmm. as well, which is the shame. Because there's 
characters that are unnecessary, like um, Teresa Palmer plays um, Doss's wife. Yeah. And she is completely unnecessary. And she's over-the-top kind of Second World War lady. Can that, um, can that role be filled by Hugo Weaving? That role could just not is that, be there. What, what, the role, what the role is supposed to do. Is that already done by Hugo Weaving? Well, there's no real need for her. Right. Um, which is the problem. Like, there's no, she, she appears at like certain times and there's no real need. You could just have it as a mention that he has a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, or a mention that he's got somebody that he, he cares about. You know, you don't mean need that moment. Okay. Um, you know, and, and there's some really, really good moments. Um, I did feel that, like, there was this really weird conversation afterwards, because, like I said, I saw it with Mark, um, and we were chatting afterwards, and Mark got the impression that um, Doss wasn't religious at all, until, like, halfway through, where they suddenly just threw, made it like, right. I'm very religious. And he said it seemed like a bit of a leap. Well, I found it was overly religious at the start. Yeah. Like, like very in your face mm-hmm. and then kind of was carried on that way and it's really weird the way we've seen it and I'd, I'd like actually you to watch well, it well it helps if you haven't seen the trailer I imagine because the trailer comes across as overly religious well, anyway I, I would like you to watch it and kind of see which side you fall down because I got that impression it was really weird to hear that the complete literally opposite. complete opposite um, was what marked away from it but the thing is neither way mm. Did we like it? Right. So if it wasn't religious at all and then suddenly became this overtly religious kind of, I'm not doing this for God. Yeah. Or if it was always, God is here, God is here, I'm not doing this for God. Mm. Either way didn't really play out for us. Um, Like I said, any of the bits that are set in the war zone are fantastic. Right. Um, You know, it does really well. And the moment, like his proper hero moment, which if you've seen the film, you'll know what I'm talking about, is really well played. And Andrew Garfield does a good job there. I don't think he's great all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that moment, he, he really encapsulates what this character is. And especially when at the end, they show... They do a bit like what they did in the end of Sully, a little bit what they do with, like at the end of Lion, where they do like a montage of clips of the real-life people. Yeah. Um, I think they did Founder as well. Yeah. I think we'll talk about uh, next, which they show like clips of real-life people, actually, and these are the ones are talking heads, and it actually has DOS doing a talk ahead and he explains a moment that really made it for him like the happiest moment he's ever had sure. and he kind of says you know if um, I won't say what the moment is but he said something along the lines of if that was all I all that happened then I feel that God was smiling down on me sort of thing and it's a moment that actually you see in the film earlier on right um, and it's really nice that they do that because it reflects that the, they have to put a lot of effort in making this a real story and like I said there are moments of greatness in here mm-hmm. but the shame is it's not a great film. You know, there are problems with the film. Um, and I think it's any time they try and stray too far away from what we really want to see, which is this hero in war struggling with his way of life versus religion, really. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame because, like I said, the war scenes are... There are some really good ones in there. But, like I said, the problem the problem with this whole film, actually, is it's too Hollywood. Yeah. It's far too Hollywood, and that's the problem. You know, it shouldn't be that way when you're dealing with a story like this. So it's one of those films that I'd say, watch it, mm. because there are moments in there that are great, but just be aware it's not going to be the greatest film. Mm. Okay, uh, well, uh, I will maybe watch that. <laughs> maybe. Come on. Maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. <laughs> Should we talk about The Founder? Yeah, let's talk about it. One uh, of your most anticipated films of the year. Yeah, so The Founder is out this coming Friday. Um, 
and it follows the story of Ray Kroc, who was the... Now, here's where the ironic title comes into play, who was regarded as the founder of the McDonald's Corporation, and of course is the founder of the McDonald's Corporation, but did not invent McDonald's as Mm -hmm. we know it. So, Ray Kroc, played by uh, Michael Keaton in this film, uh, is is basically tipped off to... um, to the McDonald's operation in the sense that they order some milkshake mixes from him. And that's what he was selling at that particular point in his life. And he goes, because he can't believe that they're using as many milkshake mixes as they need. Yeah. And he goes, and he sees that they are, and he likes what he sees, and he wants to be a part of it. And then the story basically follows his... Involvement. ...hostile takeover over a number of years... Yeah, and so it, it's the initial, you know, the tricky thing is with this film is you look at it and you go, right, the premise of this film is interesting enough in that it's, he is an interesting man and his life story is fascinating and I have read his autobiography and a lot of what is going on in the film is very true to that. Mm-hmm. Whether it's true to life is slightly different because there are other accounts about how he conducted the business with the McDonald Brothers that slightly skews how it's either portrayed in the book or in this film. But it seems pretty true to life. It's well made. Mm-hmm. I think it's well written. It's well directed. It's very well put together. Yeah. Who is the target market for this film? I would assume people like me. Like, cause when I watch, you think? I, th- I think it must be for people like me who, um, who don't really know anything about this. Mm. Um, when I watched it, I found it filled in a lot of holes as it went on. You know, it was really well written to the point that I understood exactly what was happening. Yeah. Because obviously what you have to worry about is if it's a, something that somebody knows a lot about, like yourself, will it be trying to appease the people who know about this mm. side of the story, but not the people who really have no idea? Yeah. I mean, the, th- the thing that I found was that whenever someone came on screen... Hmm. For example, they introduced Fred Turner fairly early on, and he's working in one of the McDonald's, one of the early McDonald's. And I smiled when I heard the name Fred Turner, because as a fan of Ray Kroc, and there's not many of us, I'll be honest, I knew exactly who Fred Turner turned out to be. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and I'm grinning like an idiot at the fact they've introduced a fry cook, essentially, and I'm there like, wow... Fred Turner really becomes a real big shot. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, no one else in this cinema, literally nobody else in this cinema knows who the fuck Fred Turner is. But I quite like that. Um, but essentially, you know, I kind of... The only question I would have is, who else would want to watch this film other than me? Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that you're saying, you know, people like you may well want to. Um, I think... The standouts are, I think Michael Keaton does a very good job of portraying someone who is not a nice person, no. necessarily, but has a likability, has a certain charm to him because of his salesman background. Hmm. So there's there's parts of the film where he is being underhanded and he is trying to sort of dodge around confronting the issue head on by trying to make sure that a deal goes through behind the scenes and then sort of bringing it out. But there's stuff like that in there where you think, God, he was a real prick. But 
you never end up really hating him in the film. No. Like, in the same way that you would with people who did behave like that. Well, it was interesting because we watched this one with your brother Paul and yeah. Nick from the... From, from God Knows Where podcast. Um, you know, and Nick made a really interesting point, which was he wasn't annoyed at the actions of Ray Kroc in this. But, but more at the McDonald's brothers. the McDonald's brothers. And when you watch it, you can kind of, like, obviously we won't go into that in more detail, but when you watch it, you'll see what he means. Mm. You know, there is that element of annoyance towards them as well as kind of this... In anything, you get more of a respect for the way Ray Kroc works. Like, mm. when you watch the way he does, goes about his business and the way he's he's kind of planned everything out, you kind of own a respect for the man, despite realising that if that was done to you, you would hate the guy. Well, that's the reason he's my number one dinner party guest. <laughs> uh, no, but I think, you know, Michael Keaton does a great job of portraying him as a sympathetic villain, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I think the McDonald brothers themselves are very well played by Nick Offerman and uh, John Carroll Lynch. I think they do a really good job of that. Nick Offerman particularly has some nice moments with Michael Keaton, you know, the phone conversations and stuff. Yeah. They're funny moments. They are quite serious moments at times. But, you you know, it's a film that isn't afraid to be funny as well as informative. Yeah. And it's. It, I think you need to have that humour in order to sell a film like this because mm-hmm. who's going to want to watch an hour and a half of sort of an informative film about the McDonald's company you know you, you're not going to want to do that but I think it's you know it's pretty well made and yeah. you know I don't you know there's a reason it didn't get nominated for any awards or anything like that you know nothing in it particularly stands out as being like wow no brilliantly written it's very well written but this thing I'm looking at it and I'm going you know what, this is one of my films of the year so far. Because everything in it works. Mm-hmm. For someone like me who's a fan of the guy, I'm I'm not necessarily well, learning anything new, but what I'm seeing is a good account of what I know. I was going to say that. I was going to say, did as a fan of Ray Kroc um, and his story, mm. did you think it did justice to that story to kind of... I think fairly... I think more so than most biopics that you'll see. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know... You'll, you'll often see ones when you think, oh, you skimmed over way too much. And there's stuff in here that they obviously skim over. And there's, there's stuff they miss out completely. But you can see the reasons why they might do so. Um, but I think, it, you know, credit's got to go to the writer in terms of... Uh, I mean, it's written by the same guy who wrote The Wrestler. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert D. Siegel. And he's done a fantastic job. You know, The Wrestler was a great... Uh, you know, a biopic that wasn't a biopic because that guy never existed. Yeah. But... It had the humour in there again, but it also had quite a, you know, heart-wrenching story. This one's less heart-wrenching. This one's just more about corporate greed and sort of the... It's about the misuse of the American dream. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. Coming off the back of Gold last week, which I reviewed on the podcast, this is a much better version of what that film was trying to be. Yeah. And that's the shame of Gold, is that it had all the elements that it needed, it just didn't ever elevate itself to being particularly anything good. Despite Matthew McConaughey. Despite Matthew McConaughey's best efforts. Matthew Macarena. So, with this film, I'm kind of sitting there going, oh, actually, I'm contented about this. Because this, you can get it badly wrong, and they did with gold. With this, they've managed to do it justice, I think. How much of it was truth, from what you know, how much of it was true? Basically because 
There is that thing that says recent biopics have been less than true with their source material. Yeah. Like, is it um, Imitation Game was like Imitation Game like forty seven percent true or something like that? Like, how much of this, event? from what you know of the storyline, was real? Uh, from what I know, what I'd you know say, of what you've heard. I'd say a good ninety percent. So it's pretty accurate with. I would how say it, so. You know the. But obviously, that's going off the account of whatever account they took. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you read his autobiography, grinding it out, it's there's there's a lot that's in there that is used in the film. There's, you know, even turns of phrase that he Hmm. uses were turns of phrase he really used in in reality. So it's a fascinating portrait of the man, I think. And I think Keaton does a really good job of making him a three-dimensional character. Because I think it would be very easy to play that as a very sort of flat face sort of yeah oh well you know he was just a greedy businessman but he's got home life stuff and mm. you know he's got stuff going on with the business partners and then he's got stuff where he's not he's insecure about himself at yeah. the same time as being very confident in a uh, in a business way but in in his private life he is insecure and he doesn't know what he wants and it's that line where he says, you know, his wife says to him, you know, when is enough going to be enough? And he says, honestly, probably never. But he doesn't know how to get it all the time. Yeah. And he grabs this opportunity because he thinks this is it. This is the chance I have this to is really make my name. And, you know, what I found the re- rest is history. What I found really interesting, after we came out, um, I was speaking to you briefly about it. And I said to you, what what did you think? And you, were, you said something along the lines of, I enjoyed it, but the thing is, there's a lot of stuff that I already knew in there. Mm. And you're like, but they missed out some of the more interesting aspects of his life, like expanding on certain aspects of his life. Yeah. And I turned out to you and said, this is exactly how I feel when I come out of a comic book movie. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, I really like what they did, but I really would have wanted, I knew about this stuff. I wanted to know about more and more. Yeah. So it was really interesting to see you kind of have the same dilemma I had where I was like, I know Dormammu. Yeah. But why is he not a fire your head demon? Well, it's, it's this thing of going, you've chosen. 1954 onwards basically there's a whole life he lived before 1954 which is fascinating but I get that you can't tell that all yeah. so the bit you want to tell is the bit where he gets involved with McDonald's I get that, that. at least I get but sequels. they do have they do have the allusions to uh, the, the allusions to sort of um, oh you know there's a line with the piano yeah. and that goes back to him playing piano back in uh, Florida so there's there's stuff in there that I'm going oh nice tip of a hat and I'm just sitting there going Literally no one else in the cinema is thinking, <laughs> oh, because he used to play piano. No you, one. You were the only person getting the Easter eggs in the phone. Yeah, yeah. There, there is no one else in that cinema <laughs> who's getting the hidden Easter eggs that they included in the founder. All the sort of secret sort of uh, stuff to his past life. Do you enjoy it though? Uh, yeah, very uh, much maybe. so. You know, and I would recommend it if you're, you know, if you're looking for a biopic that's that's interesting and well rounded. If it's a choice between this and gold, you go and see this 10 out of 10. No, no I, rec- I recommend it. I don't think it's the best film I've seen this year. No. But it's strong. Like it's, it is. It's, it's, all its component parts make up. There's nothing really It's, it's almost like every part of it is a Big Mac, part of a Big Mac, and it all gets made, and sure. you watching it is the nice. Big Mac sauce being sprayed on top nice. okay. to then be sandwiched in the love of cinema. Okay. Um, okay, so um, <laughs> moving on from two biopics to a third biopic. Biohazard picture, that is. <laughs> Resident Evil, the final chapter. Andrew, you saw it. I went to see this. I did not. Um, yeah, I went and saw this film basically because I was like, I suppose somebody's got to, haven't they? Um, now, the thing I want to do here is I could easily, if you listen to the news and reviews like two weeks ago, I talked about Triple X3. Mm-hmm. And I talked 
extensively about how stupid that film is. Sure. I could quite easily do the same about Resident Evil because Resident Evil is stupid. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, because I'm going to tell you some stuff, but I don't want you to forget the fact that this is a stupid film. It falls into the category of stupid films. But I don't want to go on about that. I want to tell you why it's a bad film. Okay. Because I'm going to give you a time limit, though. Okay. Three minutes. Three minutes. Okay. <laughs> That's plenty of time to tell okay. you why this is a demonstrably stu- uh, not stupid. It is stupid, but bad film. Sure. Firstly, um, it's not well made. Right. It's definitely not well made, and it's definitely not act- well acted. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it describes to the theory of quite, quite bang cinema. Right. It, it, every kind of scare they have in this film for what is... It's originally a horror game. Yeah. Um, any horror moments come from... It goes really, really quiet, and it jumps out, yeah. and that's supposed to scare you. Um, what I did notice about this film as well is everything in it is shot in dark. Right. And... I was watching this with a friend, and what we realised halfway through is, it's because the CGI is terrible. Yeah. The CGI is so bad, they shot everything in the dark. CGI has always been you. terrible in these films, though, Yes, but now they've worked out how to do it. Now right. they've worked out that if they don't really they show you what it. they're showing, right. yeah, sure. then, you know, they don't... Um, well, that shows some growth by Paul W.S. Anderson, right? No. Because he's an idiot. Um, all that, all the action... <laughs> he's an idiot who's found a way to hide his terrible CGI. Um, all the action in the film is done with quick cuts. Yeah. Um, literally it leaves you dizzy and confused of what the fuck is going on because <laughs> when they're fighting the camera shoots between four different angles yeah. in one kick right. and then they're kicking three or four times and the camera doesn't stop moving but that's and it's just quick, to make it look better no but it doesn't it makes it look unintelligible you right. can't tell what is happening on screen I don't know who's kicking who I don't know who's who's Alice anymore mm-hmm. I just don't know because um, right? there's too many clones. Um, the best thing about this film is the fact that it doesn't link with the final, fi- the last film at all. So, so the one you, that I watched the other if week, if you know the final, f- the film before this, they end up at the White House, which yeah. is a sanctuary. This film starts with all of those other characters dead. Spoiler alert! Um, and Alice is alone, and they don't show you anything about it. They just tell you, "Oh yeah, they're all dead." Right. Like that's like Smog at the beginning of the ho- um, third Hobbit film. Somebody just walking away, going, "Oh, good job they killed that Smog, isn't it?" Yeah. And going and walking, you'd be like, "But you've just set this up. Yeah. Like, why are you deciding not to do this?" Like, it's very poor storytelling. None of these films seem to link with the last one, and that's a problem because there is no coherence in storyline. Yeah. Um. Where else? Oh. <laughs> this film so I'm reading from my notes because I wrote down a lot of notes the other day mm-hmm. um, this is just another film that makes tries to the whole time remind you that there's a 3D version out there right which you got in the last one and the one before that but once again With there's a lot of things where it's shots, like yeah. oh look we're moving towards the camera right they introduce like obviously before this as well they introduce um, oh there's going to be a whole new, new people I'm going to tell you now they're cannon fodder right People are cannon fodder in this film. Yeah. The twist in this film is stupid. Like, it makes no real sense. Yeah. It's almost like, oh, this is what we build to. And also, this is not the final chapter. Yeah. They set it up for a sequel. Do not sucker people in saying this is the last film. And people are like, let's give this one last hurrah if you're going to make another film. But how many times has that happened before? They Loads. do the Terminator Salvation move. Terminator they Salvation. pull the Terminator Salvation move. If you watch Terminator Salvation, the end is exactly the same. The final destination. Um... I'll give it. I'll give it some credit okay. because I feel that it deserves something. Okay. Which is there's a couple of callbacks to previous films and games. Are you happy that people were gainfully employed making this film? No. Even like runners and stuff. No. Like Fucking, they can go work on something better. Well, maybe they couldn't. Maybe this was their first. Film. Well, maybe leave Hollywood. 
leave Hollywood. Um, They've just got there. There's a couple of okay action scenes, yeah. but okay is a it's a stretch. Right, okay. Uh, and if you're a fan of these films, you will probably love this anyway. But I don't understand why there are fans of these films. Right. And basically, no one I said the other week that Triple X Three is the kind of film to go and watch while drinking with friends. Mm-hmm. That's not this. Right. You, even if you were drinking with friends, I don't think you would enjoy this film. But like Triple X Three, you could understand the stupidity of it because that film is one stupid set piece after the one stupid set piece. It is but ridiculous. The film, the fran- that franchise always has been. Yeah. Well, this is just bad. Like remember we watched um, the fifth one. The fifth one. Yeah. And you said this is one of the worst films I've ever seen. I think it was. Yeah. Um, this is better than that, right. but not by much. Okay. Like it's it's just because I'm thinking of going back and watching the first one now. Just to see what I would make. The first was probably the best of them all, but that's not saying much. That's no surprise, is it? That's not saying much because it's still bad. I think the problem you have with this, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna negate everything you've ever argued with here. Okay. I'm just gonna give you one line to close with here. I think the problem is you're comparing these and saying, oh, you know, these films, they are originally based on these games, right? Which are horror games. They're basically not the same thing. No, at all, and I can get they? I can get past that point. Right. I can go, I can separate them out and go. Okay, but the thing is, this is right. This is not a good action film. Right. It's not a good horror film. Yeah. It's not a good romance. Right. <laughs> There's no romance in it at all. Sure. Um, it does not. You know, it's not a good Mila Jovovich film. It's not a good Mila Jovovich. No. Film. So it's not the Fifth Element or the other things. Zoolander. <laughs> you know, it's it's not a good film in any of the categories it can fit into. Right. So therefore, it has to be classed as a bad film. It's not even it's a not, good Paul W.S. Anderson it's not, film. And it's not a good game film. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not a good Paul W.S. Anderson film. You know, any of the categories you can fit this film into, it does not come out as good. Right. Which means I don't go, oh, it's bad because it's not like the games. Because technically, it is like the fifth Resident Evil, which was all action. That was an action game rather than... They're very similar. Uh-huh. But it's not good. In, it's It's not good in any of the categories you can put it into meaning it is a bad film and i would not recommend this to anybody you're a very angry man i'm not i'm not i can't I'm just, imagine anyone being angrier than you particularly I, on sunday i'm just annoyed by the fact that this keeps going and people i'm, I'm part of the problem yeah, because i well, gave money to listen, see this listen 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 this year pirates of the caribbean 5 or whatever it is Transformers 5, or whatever it is. The new Fast and the Furious thing. They will all break a billion. And this is the problem. People are idiots and will keep seeing terrible films. But the thing is, there's something redeeming about Fast Fast and Furious, okay? Okay, what's that? They're they're fun action films. They're ridiculous. It's kind of like a better triple X. I love hearing you try and redeem the other two. Um... Pirates of Caribbean 1 is very good. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Five. Five. Hello. Pirates of the Caribbean 1 five. was very Pirates good. Pirates of the Caribbean 5. You Let me think... finish my point. Okay. Pirates of the Caribbean 1 was very good. So people and Transform- of And how... Transformers 1 is alright. So, people go to watch them in the hope they can get this. Resident Evil has never been good. Never. There's not been one of those films you can come out of and go, that's a good film. Pirates of the Caribbean 1, Res- um. Transformers one. Sunday's episode. They are good. Yeah. So therefore, uh-huh. you can go to watch the fifth films and go. They might have finally no, worked. No, you fa- can't. 
No, no, no. And Transformers. No. Transformers that is, that 5. Is stupid logic. That's a stupid 5. looking forward to a DC film. You Transformers cannot, 5, you right? Here abs- no. Here no, I will not hear you out because <laughs> Transformers 5 has Anthony Hopkins in it, right? Exactly. No, and, no. Don't and, say exactly like you've won the argument. And, you've lost the argument with the use of Anthony Hopkins. And Unicron. Unicron will be there and they're doing that Transformers thing again where I'll be like oh shit Unicron's there I remember Unicron oh shit he's there for five minutes oh yeah. I've just sat here for two hours of you just, you just complained about being suckered into a film called the final chapter and then it not be the final chapter you're talking about being suckered in by a thing called Unicron that turns out not to be how you wanted it to be or only in it for two minutes like the Robo Dinos or whatever they're called Dinobots there you are Right, you've got you've got massive issues with Transformers Four. You're going to have even bigger issues with Transformers Five. I can tell you this much. You know why? Because it's longer. It's going to be more stupid. It'll make more money. Your issue here is the same issue you had with Transformers, but apparently I've now forgotten about no, because, because they've I got a planet enjoy- of Unicron. I won't enjoy Transformers, but I'll go see it because I've got to for this fucking podcast. <laughs> if you, you can enjoy- use that, so can I. No, but you don't enjoy this uh, the. The Resident Evil franchise, either. No, right? but I can subjectively say they're bad. But yes, that's but, the thing. I can say this is a bad film, and that's what I'm trying to say. But Transformers is a bad film. It will be bad. No, Transformers, the world. No, no, Transformers one. one's all right. I don't think it is. I think you're remembering it's all right. a different film. It's it's not great, but it's it, all right. Is it shot in a terrible, unwatchable way? Yes, it's but a is there fun, film. Is there fun to be had in Transformers One? Is there fun to be had in the first Resident Evil film? I reckon you can find people who will say yes. So for everyone like you, who apparently likes Transformers the first, which I think is like six people, the other people just go because they need something to do to escape their horrible lives. This then go the watch The Founder! And, well, yeah, okay, go watch The Founder. Do that. They're sensible if they do that. You know what they're not sensible if they do? They go and watch fucking Paris Caribbean 5 as well. You know why? Because those are not good films either. Instead, just put Pirates of the Caribbean 1 on the big screen and just watch that again. But That's a good film. Do, but you can't say that one is making four further films which have all been horrible. But do you know what does? Money. Well, this is why <laughs> everyone is an idiot. <laughs> oh, we got off track again. We got off track again. We went over by like 15 minutes. Not again. <laughs> It was it was thirty minutes when you almost started talking about uh, Resident Evil. Did so. I did, did I go with my three minutes? Uh, very much so. Yeah, I, and then I got involved and it just <laughs> spiraled out of control. So found a good Hacksaw Ridge, all right. Watch, Resident Evil bad. Watch let's just let's just put that as a one line. Just remove all the reviews. Okay. Uh, that's where we're going to have to leave it today. Fine. I'm tired now. <laughs> We have done so much today. Like you, you when you listen on Sunday, because you should listen to Sunday's episode. How did I end up shouting in both the episodes? Um, if you subscribe, you'll get alerted when Sunday's episode is available straight away. What kind of fucking business ending is this? Um, and when you listen on Sunday, you will realise why we're tired now. Predominantly, Alex is tired now. Um, but where can they find us? They can find us on... iTunes, Stitcher and Buzzsprout. As always, you can rate, comment, subscribe, review, share us with your friends, tell us who might like this. No, wait. Tell them who... Tell them that they might like this and then make them listen to... Look, I'm not very good at things where I have to tell people to do things. Tell, tell your friends about it. Yeah. Um, if they don't like Transformers, they might like the last five minutes of this conversation. <laughs> find us on Facebook at Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. You can find us on Twitter at Dinosaur Man 15. Contact us. We'll chat to you back. 
Alex has said he will chat. As, he will write as, to every single person who writes to him. As you can tell, we're very good to talk to, and we don't shout very Some, much at all. Sometimes we talk just at you. Yeah, we don't have. And that is the purpose opinions. of a podcast, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there are people out there who would listen to every one of these episodes. That's outrageous. Uh, thank you, thank you. No. Shame on you. Thank you Shame to Johnny Neves as ever for the theme song. Uh, thank you, Alex. You're welcome. Thanks, Andy. It's okay. And until next time. I'm going to go and watch Resident Evil 1. You're going to have a nap, aren't you? No, I'm going to watch Resident Evil 1. <laughs> I can see it. I'll watch eyes. it tonight. I'm going to enjoy it. The Red Queen, that's a thing from it. <laughs> Don't add more to the episode. Die. 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 Die.